Welcome to the Muni Lowdown. My name is Paul Graves, and I'm the managing editor for DebtWire Municipals. Joining me today are Seth Brumby, our deputy editor, Mary Ellen Tai, our assistant editor, and our head of municipal research, Greg Clark. So first of all, Seth, you weren't here last week. Welcome back. I hope you had a good time away. Did you not want to be with us, or you just... I did not. I was at my desk during the podcast. That's actually worse, because <laughs> he basically just did not want to participate last week. All the broken heart emojis. I think that's where we gave you more deals to talk about today. <laughs> yes, he's going to be quite busy today. Quite busy. Actually, though, in the beginning, we're going we're gonna to break this up into different themes today. And today, we're going to start with territories. And with that, Mary Ellen, maybe a little update on Puerto Rico in terms of any significant court cases this week. Thanks, Paul. Uh, this week, a group of professors from my, the Mayaguez campus of the University of Puerto Rico, sorry if I just butchered that pronunciation, uh, sued to overturn the Commonwealth's fiscal plan. The fiscal plan has been what's guiding the restructuring of Puerto Rico's geodet. Many creditors have alleged that it's illegal. Uh, this lawsuit is along those veins, only it's brought by some people who are ostensibly paid by the Commonwealth. Uh, in other Puerto Rico news, we had a webinar today. You should check it out. Uh, it will be on our public-facing site. We also have it on DebtWire.com. Oh, that's good. So there's other news going on in territories as well with the Virgin Islands. What's, what's happening down there? The USVI was able to raise their rum tax this week uh, from... Well, it was, it's now $13.25 a gallon from ten fifty. The USVI is trying to close a budget gap. The governor has estimated that there will be a $650 million accumulated structural deficit from fiscal 17 to fiscal 21. So they're looking to fill some of that gap. And also, uh, they have a water deal coming to market, well, that they would like to bring to market. We have been watching and waiting for it for a little while. Some short-term debt, too, which I think they've had some offers to complete, but I guess they're just waiting for the right deal to get it done. Um, interesting about the rum tax, uh, Puerto Rico also gets a remittance on on rum uh, from the U.S. Treasury. It backs their uh, uh, bonds issued out of the Puerto Rico Infrastructure Financing Authority. And very early on in the Puerto Rico Title III, in fact, the day before the Commonwealth filed for Title III, AMBAC Assurance sued the Department of Treasury, trying to get them to block the remittance of the rum tax back to the island and essentially wanted to intercept it. So these things do have a way of coming back to create some problems when, when, when things go bad. Does the rum tax increase apply to the rum taxes that are remitted to Puerto Rico as well? Uh, not to my knowledge. Not, not the specific one for USVI. Well, that's a good question. I don't know if they have to raise that for everybody. Got it. I didn't know if it was one tax or... All right. Well, let's move on to new issuance over the past week. And we had a very familiar name, Greg, Jefferson County, Alabama. Thanks, Paul. Jefferson County, Alabama is the home of Birmingham. And those of you who've been following the beauty market for a few years at least uh, will recognize Jefferson County as an entity that filed for Chapter 9 bankruptcy in 2011. They sold bonds. I'm, I'm going to call them bonds, even though legally they're called warrants. But they sold bonds for the first time earlier this week since they exited Chapter 9 bankruptcy in 2013. 
The bankruptcy, as you may recall, was primarily due to problems with their sewer system. The obligations sold this week, however, are backed by a 1% countywide sales tax. They received a rating of AA from Standard & Poor's, but only an A from Fitch. And the Fitch A is on negative watch status for reasons I'll explain in a minute. But first, a little bit more about the bonds. Uh, the debt service coverage is very good at about 3.7 times. And the sales tax collections that they don't need to pay debt service will help support the county's general fund and some other purposes, such as transit and the zoo. One hitch with these bonds, and the reason for Fitch's negative watch status, is that there's a possibility that the tax, the 1% sales tax, could be overturned by the U.S. Supreme Court. I think, personally, that the chance of that happening is is remote. Given that the tax was approved by a state constitutional amendment, uh, it was favorably judged by a state Supreme Court, the state Supreme Court, I should say, and the time in which that decision could be appealed has lapsed. The Supreme Court would hear the case, if it did, via a petition for a writ of certiorari, and I'm probably, I've probably mispronounced that, which seems to me like a long shot, and if only for the reason that a controversy involving a local tax isn't the kind of thing the Supreme Court normally gets involved in. There is also litigation regarding the county's plan of adjustment, also known as a POA, which is the basic document in a bankruptcy case. The POA was approved by the bankruptcy court in November 13, and it seems unlikely, again, that the POA would be vacated at this date. You know, I'm going back to my memory banks about Jefferson County, and there's two things that I do recall. And that was, I remember one day I was interviewing one of the debtor's attorneys, and uh, I, I made the mistake of calling some of the general obligation debt um, bonds when, in fact, they were warrants. And he took great exception to that because if you call them bonds, apparently that does run afoul of the Alabama Constitution. So they were warrants, um, which I guess would allow Jefferson County to issue debt. Uh, the other thing, too, I also remember is that the, the reason why Jefferson County filed for bankruptcy, obviously there's a lot of problem with their sewer debt, but it was the... Uh, I guess the rescinding of a value-added tax that the state had approved for the county that put a big hole into the county's budget, and they they couldn't find a way to paper it over without the state's help. And it's interesting that now they have this 1% sales tax authorized by the state. It's like, well, where were you guys four years ago, five years ago? Yeah, you raise raise an excellent point, Seth. uh, This is their first major revenue source. They've been working on this for a number of years, and it's one primary purpose, one major purpose, I guess is a better way to say it is to replace the revenues that they wanted to get all along, but the state wouldn't cooperate. So hmm. better late than never, I, I guess. I guess so. Interesting. But there's other uh, news going on in the primary market as well, uh, Seth, with uh, Atlantic City. Sure. Um, so Atlantic City just recently came to market back in May uh, via the municipal Qualified Bond Act, which is essentially a state enhancement for local debt, and they issued, uh, it was about $72 million to settle some outstanding tax appeals that they had with the Borgata Casino. Uh, the deal worked out well for them, and I guess yesterday, excuse me, rather on Tuesday, uh, the city council approved uh, a new issuance of about another $80 million, 
Morgan Stanley will serve as the underwriter, um, and that too will also pay for tax appeals stemming from the 2011 to 2016 tax year. So it looks like Atlantic City is taking full advantage of what is a pretty good market for distressed issuers right now. And another example of how good the market is for distressed issuers is that Chicago Public Schools came to market earlier this week. They upsized their deal to $500 million from about $250 million and got a better rate than what they were quoted in November of 2016, the last time they came to market. Uh, if you recall, there's a, there's a state cap uh, of 9% on yields, uh, and I believe in November of last year, they had about 8.5% price talk. I don't believe they went through with that transaction, but they came back to market this week, and they had about a 7% coupon with uh, seven and three quarters yield. And it sounds like uh, that ended up working out very well for them. So right now we're seeing you know, the market fairly receptive to distressed high yielding debt. That is better, seven. <laughs> I don't know if that's sustainable, but relative. that is better. Yes, seven, for, for the audience, if you don't, you know, in a tax exempt market, if you're paying 7%, that's like a credit that's seen to have a lot of potential challenges and if, you know, trying to sustain, usually a tax exempt credit is paying maybe 3%, maybe 4 So if you had 7 well, we'll see how that works out for you. I, I, I certainly appreciate where you're coming from. And, and I guess CPS and just Illinois in general will take any good news it can get at this point, uh, which for Illinois, uh, one of the rating agencies, S&P, uh, did not downgrade them to junk this week, which everybody was anticipating. So that's good news. They're not right. junk. But aren't their ratings under review? Is that where things stand now? Yes, yeah. I, I think we have yet to hear from the other ratings agencies, uh, Moody's and Fitch. But uh, they're still investment grade from S&P. Um, Chicago Board of Education issued debt at 7%. Um, Cook County uh, is probably going to come to market uh, uh, in the near future here. Uh, we picked up on the fact that they're going to have some ordinances that will come to vote next week of about $295 million in bonds. city will serve as the underwriter. Um, about $130 million of it will refund some general obligation debt, and there will be another $165 million of new money backed by sales tax. This is all very highly rated debt. At the sales tax, I want to say, is even AAA rated. So this is it's good news for Cook County. They still have some headwinds, too. Uh, I know that they have... Um, a uh, beverage tax that's under fire. It's, it's trying to be blocked in court right now. It was supposed to come into effect July 1st, but I guess with the court proceedings, they've put it on hold. Uh, Tony Preckwinkle, um, who's the head of the county, is basically saying that if, if that tax does not go through, there will have to be some layoffs. So, you know, headwinds all around. Yeah, and I think they, they also said that the tax is coming in below expectations. But, hey, you know, there's... There's a new year coming. Lots of things could happen. So you have Illinois. Their rating is under review for Moody's. You have CPS, Chicago Public Schools, for those people that aren't familiar with the acronym. Their rating is under review. City of Chicago, their rating is under review, all at Moody's. But Cook County apparently is going to be able to withstand all of that and continue to move forward. But speaking of rate agencies... Wait, hold on. I just, yeah, before okay. you go, I did just want to point one thing out here. This is an interesting this dynamic. Good, this is good news? Did, this, 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 this is interesting news. See, normally in this room, I'm the bear. I'm the one who's like, wow, it's going to blow up. I and, thought I was. <laughs> <laughs> well, here I am saying, hey, this is good news for everybody. But Paul, man, I mean, where's I'm the not, optimism? Not, it's not that I'm not optimistic. I guess I'm just trying to understand how you could have a county where the major 
urban center, not only the county, but the state, their rating is under review. You have the school district in that same county, probably for the state as well. Their rating is under review. The state itself, their rating is under review. Cook County, we just talked about that they have some budget challenges, but somehow their rating is fine. Well, also, I don't think we should be celebrating a state being not junk rated because 49 other states are also not junk rated. <laughs> okay, you got me on that one. But there, there are some other things going on with the rating agencies and their effect on credits. Greg, Hartford, Connecticut is one. They got some bad news this week. Yeah, Hartford, uh, we've discussed in previous muni lowdowns, they were already rated at junk level by Moody's, BA2. Are they the one with the yard goats, with the baseball stadium? That the didn't the work Hartford out so well? yard goats, yeah. yes. Another winner, okay. Um, and, and earlier this week, the uh, city's general obligation bonds were loaded, lowered by Standard & Poor's to double B from triple B minus. S&P also took the somewhat unusual, I won't say somewhat unusual, I'll just say unusual step of lowering their rating on Hartford's cash flow notes, which were only issued four months ago. Uh, the rating on those was lowered from SP1 to SP2. Those notes mature on October 31. The, uh, the mayor has been very outspoken about the possibility of the city filing Chapter 9 bankruptcy, with which they could do without state support. The, in order to avoid that, they're going to need concessions, major concessions, I think, from, from the unions. And the mayor, earlier this week, started to talk about negotiations with bondholders. They hired Greenberg Traurig, which is a, a, a law firm that specializes in muni restructurings. And without a significant input from the state, uh, input of dollars, I should say, uh, the, the prospects for Hartford's bankruptcy become more likely. And the state still doesn't have a budget. So everything appears to be going the wrong way for Hartford. And it's, it's going to be, I think, a, at least a week-by-week -week story there. Yes. You know what? I'll just leave that there. I mean, I think this is, this is just enough there. We don't even need to go any further. But, Seth, MBIA slash National, they got some, well, they delivered some news this week, I guess you could say. Yeah, both Mary Ellen and I were, were kind of shaking our heads. Uh, MBIA, um, like a lot of bond insurers, suffered during the financial crisis. Uh, they haven't been able to underwrite new business since then. And, and, you know, I should add, full disclosure, I used to work at National Public Finance Guarantee. I think it was from 2009 to 2011, so just full disclosure. After things went bad. Yeah. After things went bad, so that shows my judgment there. The now A-rated National Public Finance Guarantee. Correct. Yeah, and it seems that uh, they've decided, you know, after their the, the downgrade, they're now A-rated, as Mary Ellen pointed out. And th this means that essentially... I guess, according to this letter, uh, that they're not going to pursue any more uh, underwriting of their new business. Um, I don't know, Mary Ellen, I don't know what your thoughts were on the, on the downgrade and, and what they're going to be doing now. Yeah, it seems like what you said, Seth, that there's, it, it's just going to have to be a wind down because they can only now, or they only provide a value to insuring people that are lower rated than A. Um, 
and their existing portfolio in the letter will be a lot of names you've heard us mention already on this podcast. Um, Puerto Rico, Chicago, Chicago Public Schools, State of Illinois. Um, it seems like they're going to have a lot of work to manage that set of... But you know, they're still repurchasing their stock, though. Two hundred fifty million. Two hundred fifty million. Yeah. So subject uh, to liquidity. Subject to liquidity. So you know, it, it, it's not uh, the story isn't over yet for MBIA. Who knows? Maybe ten years from now they'll they'll try again. Uh, after all, it is. Gosh, it's almost ten years since the last financial crisis. So um, maybe it takes another ten years for them to recover. But it sounds like for the foreseeable future, they they won't be trying to do any more business. What's interesting to me is that uh, for people who've been around for for quite a while, they'll remember when MBIA was really king of the hill. They were the by far the largest bond insurer of roughly five, six insurers. When, when a couple of the other insurers went bad uh, after the financial crisis, they bought most of the portfolios of, of those insurers. Fidget Financial Guarantee Insurance Company was one of them. And to give you an idea of the kind of presence that MBIA had back when it was a powerhouse, when Orange County, California filed for bankruptcy in 94, I think it was, they issued, I forget how much, in bonds in order to bail themselves out. And MBIA, it was hundreds of millions anyway. MBIA insured the whole thing and basically assisted Orange County out of their Chapter 9 bankruptcy. So it's, it's, it's really the end, I'll, I'll say it again, it's the end of an era uh, for the way the muni market used to be, for better or worse. Yeah, and they, uh, they ended up laying off 29 people some, people, some people that I know as well, so it's clearly a tough time there. But, um, you know, once the Great Recession happened and the downgrades happened, you know, it's, it's just really going to be hard for them to build any credibility back with market participants going forward. So we'll see how that continues to play out. But before we go, a little bit of market news here. Seth, Iowa Fertilizer, what's going on there? Sure, Iowa Fertilizer, if you all may recall, it was the largest high-yield bond deal up until Puerto Rico issued its now infamous 2014 general obligation bond. Uh, in 2013, or maybe it was 2012 even, Iowa Fertilizer came to market with $1.2 billion in debt to finance the construction um, of a plant out in Iowa. Um, the plant was supposed to come online about a year and a half ago. Uh, it only came online in April. And, and what it, was the plant supposed to do? That's a good question. It's supposed to basically make fertilizer, but okay. it's a very complicated chemical process, which actually right. goes to what happened last week, where uh, there was a uh, there was a I guess a snafu in the process for how they manufacture ammonia, which is a main ingredient in fertilizer, and they had to shut the plant down. They're getting it back to up to speed again and up to work, and I think that probably these are just growing pains. And and we spoke to the operators of the plant and. They're confident that it'll once again resume uh, being able to produce capacity. So the, the reason why I wanted to ask you that, because they're below investment grade as well, right? Yes. Like they, Chicago Public Schools. I don't even know if they did get a rating. Okay. Uh, I would have to double check that. So just for the audience to remember, Chicago Public Schools is junk rated for, you know, and they're providing services, buildings, you know, it's, it's education. And this is for fertilizer that's going to help with... Ammonia plants or something like that, or 
Yes, uh, it's it's basically I, I, I seem to recall as a part of a disaster relief effort that they had out in the Midwest following some floods out there, uh, and they were able to issue the bonds really under the wire before this plan expired, um, and raise the money necessary, and, and they built it out. But again, they were a year and a half behind production. Uh, which is a problem because they capitalized interest, I want to say, only for a year. They had to get some money from their parent, which is a Netherlands-based group called OCI Partners, in order to maintain debt surface after the capitalized interest went out. So it's still a risky deal. Obviously, they had some problems last week. They hope to turn it back on this week. Uh, we still don't know if this thing can actually work, and I think that's what everybody in the market is waiting for. It's definitely one of the quirkier muni deals out there, possibly uh, surpassed by the Texas and Louisiana pellet steels, mm -hmm. which will have to be the subject of another muting lowdown. Okay. Uh, well, hope everyone enjoyed our latest episode of the Muni Lowdown, and we'll see you next week. Take care. <laughs>